And that when you move and when you follow the Holy Spirit's obedience, things happen. Amen? So we can't force him to move, obviously, but we can be in obedience to what he's calling us to do. Can someone give me a definition of worship? What does that sound like to you? Anybody here in the room? There's no wrong answer. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, respect and reverence to God. Any other answers? Pardon? Glorifying something? Anyone else? It's all good. It's all good. So to me, I, I feel like worship as a creative, we celebrate in our singing and our worship and our playing. We're being our best to God. But I think for me, worship is the obedient response. Speak up there. Obedient response to God. It's that moment where you're like, God, you're, you're, I want to bring my best to you because of how you changed my life. I want to bring my best, and this is how I'm bringing it. I'm worshiping you, I'm singing. Psalm 76 talks about singing new songs to the Lord. Declare of his goodness, declare of his faithfulness. It goes beyond what we just sing on a Sunday morning, but it's how we live throughout the week. So to build a culture, we have to just declare it. And it's oftentimes where we position ourselves at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I want what you want for the church. I want what you want for my life. I want what you want for the people around me. And you begin to ask those questions and say, God, reveal your heart, reveal your will. Like, I'm in pursuit after you. But you have to take it a step further. You have to seek counsel in that clarity. And one way to do it is talk to your pastor. Novel idea. <laughs> How many lead pastors in the room? Anyone? How many worship leaders, worship pastors? Okay. Musicians, vocalists, fantastic. The rest of you, you're here because your spouse or pastor told you what to be here? Okay, cool. So it's, it's our response to how we worship the Father. Um, Sitting down and talking with the pastor is going to bring insight and a bigger picture to what we're doing. Because as a worship team, it's not just us, right? We're a part of the bigger picture. There's the First Impressions team, there's the VIP team, there's the kids' ministry team. We're a part of that big fabric of what we call the church. And so we play that part. We bring our best. We step into that. We know that what God's calling us to do is our best. And when we talk to the pastor, he can give us insight and say, hey, this is my heart. This is what I'm thinking. This is, this is the sermon series for the month. And you as a creative say, man, I have all these great ideas. How can I help you? How can I bring what I have to you? And, and let's, let's talk this through. So worship is our obedient response to God. We get clarity through the Holy Spirit and through asking wise counsel. Second part is creativity. Creative. You have permission to be creative. Because what works at one church may not work at your church. And the context of what that looks like has to be broken down into your reality. And so I think oftentimes as creatives, it's hard for us to, my, myself, I had to learn the hard way on how to, um, how to just get it. And by that I mean, like I had to learn the process of walking obedience, the process of the system and the structure to understand the clarity. Like, just Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with which he bought with his own blood. Be the shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. As shepherds, we have an instruction manual in the Bible. We have the Holy Spirit as a helper. We have permission to be creative. And your flock is more than your worship team. Your flock is your small group. Those you spend time with. People who look up to you. So it's the people that you surround yourself with. You have to be creative in how you do that. Some of the things I, I, as a leader myself, to establish culture, I had to go through a lot of hard knocks. Anyone else like to learn the hard way? 
No. So I like to learn the hard way. Yeah, me and Kelly. Not fun. And so my heart is that I can share with you some of the things that I've learned and what not to do. What not to do is to overwork your servant leaders, your volunteers, your worship team every single week. That's hard. I, there was a season in my life where the church was so small that I had to lead worship every single Sunday for two years. That was hard. That was really hard. But I began to pray and say, God, I need more drummers. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. More drummers, God. Send me the musicians and the vocalists and the... I need help. And so that God began to put people in place and conversations began to happen. So I learned the hard way. And as, I, as God began to send more people, I began to learn what I needed next. Because I think as, as worship leaders, we lead songs, we lead our congregation in the worship of the Father. But now we have to steward what the people that he sends to us. And we have to do that with grace, with love, and with truth. And that's hard because people are messy. Like, you've heard this all day, people are messy. We have baggage. Uh, uh, I remember this one gentleman came to me and said, hey man, I'm a professional musician, I play, I travel. I'm like, great, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. Like, your resume says it all. How's your heart? Where are you at? He says, well, actually, I don't even know Jesus. I, I, was, I was in five different religions, and then I came to church one day, and I met Jesus for the first time. And so I, I'm a brand new Christian today. Like, dude, that's unreal. Like, you, you, you started, you scientifically decided what your religion was going to be based on your upbringing or your deduction of how you thought things should be. You felt the unction or the the leading to come to a church, a Christian church, and you meet Jesus. That's incredible. And so I said, hey man, you're brand new. I don't want you to serve. I just want you to come receive. Like, be whole. Grow in who God's calling you to be. And he did that for three months. For three months, I saw him sit there. And I can tell you that I began to see real life transition and change begin coming in. It was incredible. I mean, to hear this man's story is just unreal. And now he serves faithfully. I have him playing once a month just to slowly onboard him so that he's not overwhelmed or he begins to understand the culture of what we're doing. So I had to learn the hard way on how to get there because I didn't, at first, know how to steward my team. If we're called to be shepherds, we have to learn how to be a shepherd. We have to learn how to steward the flock. So that's just one example of things that I had to learn uh, starting out. I was, like I said, raised in rural America, or rural Ohio, which is rural America, but all the cornfields out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> raised in a small church. I actually started playing on the worship team at the ripe old age of seven years old. That disclaimer, that's too young for anyone to be on the worship team, unless they're a prodigy. Um, my pastor walked up and said, Ben, you're a young kid. Uh, you want to play drums this morning? And I said, absolutely. Like, can't really get that one in my garage when I get young on Sunday morning. And so I, I did that faithfully for several years while we attended this small church. And um, then we moved, and I got involved in another church, and I started learning how to play guitar. And I'm like, you know what? This is really cool. I want to play guitar. And I started playing guitar for my youth worship team, and then the pastor's like, hey, Ben, you're not that good. And I'm like, ouch, that hurt, but okay. So I kept practicing and practicing and practicing, and finally I got better. And I went back to the youth pastor and said, hey, pastor, I want to play on the worship team because I'm called. He said, great. Um, how about you, you help in the, the concussion team? I'm like, pastor, I'm called. No, how about you help in the worship team or help in leading people? He said, oh, okay. So I did that for a season, and he started, came to me one Sunday, I remember this. And he said, Ben, we're taking our youth worship team to a talent competition for our church, and uh, we want you to be a part of this. I'm like, no way. I've arrived. 15-year-old me, I'm there. It's a small church, and uh, I got up there to play the guitar solo, and I forgot the guitar solo. It was so awkward. Finally got some musicians who are like, I'm going to nail this part right here. I got the drum solo down. I got everything. You're like, no, you don't. <laughs> that is, no. 
to work past that. And so all that to say that like you have to grow in your decision. So we're talking about uh, you know, where I came from, my history. Uh, came to a point in my life where I was just right. I felt like, God, you're taking me a different direction. I don't want to do worship anymore. And I sold everything I owned, all my guitar amps, my everything, guitars. I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to give it up, and I'm going to go back to college, and uh, I'm going to be in business, whatever that means. I'm going to start a coffee shop or a restaurant, or I'm just going to do something different. It, it sounds right, you know, but that's what I'm going to do. And it's unique how when we make decisions outside of of God's will, things begin to break apart. Things begin to fall apart. So I made this decision. I said, hey, uh, I'm going to sell everything. I'm not going to be a worship leader anymore. And uh, little by little, and more like a lot, I saw myself getting off on the wrong path, made some bad choices, and uh, I was not connected in community, and I was not going to church in those seasons. Two things I did, I was devastated. And I didn't realize it because I was young, I didn't recognize what I really needed, and that was that community. So I said, all right, I'm going to sell everything, go into business, life's falling apart. My friend said, hey, Ben, stop. You're messing things up. I said, well, this is what I want to do. I made my choice. And they said, no, you need to, you need to go back to church. You need, you need to go to church. I'm like, no, I'm not going to church. He said, you need to go, you need to go to Journey Church. We've been there. It's, it's great. I put a little plug in for my church, but <laughs> you need to go. And so I said, no, I'm not going. It's an hour and a half away. I'm not driving an hour and a half away to go to church. Two months later, they said, hey, Ben, don't drive to Cleveland. They're launching a campus in your hometown, right across the street from my house. And I'm like, I still had my blinders on because of my decisions, because of past hurt, because of stupid choices that a young man, I'm talking 19, 20 years old, a young man made to run away from the very calling that God's placed on my life. And so for three months, I didn't go. Finally, I went, and I'm like, all right, people are cool. Like, you know, okay. Maybe, maybe I'll go to the Cleveland campus. And so I drove the hour that Sunday, and I always tell this story because it, it defines the trajectory of some things. And I, I walked in the door, and from the very first moment that someone opened the door and said, hi, we've been expecting you, all my walls just fell. And I'm like, what? Someone just opened the door for me? I go into the auditorium, and people are talking to me and introducing themselves. And then the worship starts, and I'm like, this is it. This is what I've been missing my whole life. And it wasn't the worship but it was the call on my life that God pulled me back in. It's the Jonah story all over again. That when we fall away, when we make bad choices, when we run away from the very thing that God's calling us to do, it's, it's when he pulls us back in. We heard it earlier and all throughout today that God's after the chase. He's relentlessly chasing us. And so that's how, as worship leaders, we have to go in with the understanding this person who's running our worship team, we have to get to know them. We have to onboard them the right way. We have to establish the expectation of what is happening. Hey, Joe, uh, so glad you're here, man. Thanks for you know, reaching out to me. I'm thrilled that you want to play the bass guitar. Hey, let's, let's start here. You, you got a good heart. You're a believer. You're, you're starting to give or starting to get connected in the group. Let's try once a month. And so I think as worship leaders, the big thing I talked about clarity and creativity, but the big thing is we have to set the expectation up front. If you want to establish a culture that supersedes you, that goes beyond just you, you have to set up the expectations beforehand. And then in that brings consistency. You have to be consistent. Hey, this Sunday, we're going to lead these four songs. Um, we're going to have this, this, and this person lead it, and, and we're going to present this. Hey, we're going to have rehearsals at, on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Every Thursday. And so it's that consistency that you're starting to build the momentum. How many of you guys have a rehearsal on the weekdays? 
Yeah. It's an added day, but it's, it's important because you're developing that chemistry, you're developing that culture, that consistency. So you're developing that and working through all of this. And, uh, it takes time, it takes repetition. There are often times where when you're building a culture that it sounds like you're repeating yourself. You know, teachers, leaders, teachers, whatever you're saying, you feel like you're repeating yourself. This is how many times have I said, hey guys, I'm so glad that we get to worship. I'm so glad that you're here. Like, this is gonna be an incredible morning. I feel like a broken record sometimes. But it's that consistency that people are like, wait a minute, I get to, I don't have to. It's not a chore. When you make it fun, when you build that language, when you're consistent with it, people start to get it. And it's that language, it's a constant repeating over and over and over again. And for you, it sounds like a broken record, but if Sister Sally serves twice a month, she only hears it two times a month. It's 26 weeks in a year. But you're hearing it every single day because it's the same thing that you're saying over and over again. And it's the one thing that you get it, but she may not get it. And I can tell you that when you're stewarding volunteers and musicians and creatives, there's people who run with you and there's people who walk with you. And that's okay. That's okay. Not everyone's going to get it right off the bat. Not everyone's going to run at the same pace that you're running. Not everyone's going to understand why. And the last final thing I want to talk about is why. Why do we bring our worship to the Lord? Why do we lift up His name? I think when we understand why and we keep it in front of us, developing that healthy culture and growing in who He's made us to be becomes easier. When we understand the why of that, it's our joy, it's our responsibility. The Bible calls us to sing, declare His goodness. I mean, it's oftentimes where things fall off the tracks and things get crazy when we lose the why. You know, I hear it a lot. God's after your heart, people. He'll ever be after your hands. And it's true. God is always after your heart because out of that, true worship flows. True worship becomes real. And I talked earlier, you, you can't make the Holy Spirit move, but when your heart, when your heart is tethered to God, and you have this drawing to Him, things shift, things change. So building a healthy worship, worship culture is not easy. Practical things I've learned is that you have to get clarity. You have to meet with your pastor. You have to seek out what the Holy Spirit's doing. You're having to build this legacy that goes beyond you. But knowing that it can't grow without you and that's his name. You have to be creative. What does it look like to be a church? How do you develop that? And then you have to build the consistency and the expectation. You have to repeat yourself. And it takes time. Leaving a legacy does not happen overnight. I'm, I'm not an expert in it. I'm still figuring it out. It's been a challenge, but it's become easier. It's, it's definitely something that takes time. So some challenges for you today. Um, I always like challenging because anyone ever speak at like a student ministry or Sunday morning? Anyone ever share? I always like to challenge my students when I speak to them. I'm like, hey, what are you going to learn this week? What are you going to do? They're like, what are you going to learn? Get that at school or something like that. So my challenge, and I'm giving homework assignments, is to grow as a leader, to develop that culture, is I challenge you to go to your pastor and say, hey, how can I help you this week? And I can guarantee that your new pastor will be like, whoa, what, what, what do you want? And then they go, that's great. 
<laughs> what is it that like no I just want to serve you pastor I'm here to, I'm here I'm, I'm your worship leader but I'm here to serve you what is your message about this week how can I pick songs that betray the same message that complement what you're saying because if I'm being honest like as worship leaders as worship team we're on the stage just as much as the pastor is right 30 minutes 35 minutes we're up there a long time people see us they recognize what we're doing so what we say matters, what we do matters, how we carry ourselves matters, right? So I think, you ask, Pastor, how, what's your message about this week? How can I help? And you begin to pick songs that complement the message, because if you're talking about deliverance and the pastor's talking about financial freedom, yeah, they're the same thing, but the con- like, you have to ensure that the songs you're singing are similar to what you're talking about, because then you're communicating the very same thing there's no, there's no, what's the word? There's not a double language, right? Saying different things, you're not saying different things, you're saying the same thing. So that's important. So sit down with your lead pastor, say, hey, how can I help you? Second thing is create a practical plan. Create a practical plan. How do I want to do this? What is this going to look like? Pastor, I have this great idea. Um, I want to develop this worship team to where we go from five team members to ten team members, or I want to take my 20 members and I want to grow into this where we have a different team every other week, or I want to take myself, I just want to build a team of people to help me, because I'm the only one on the team. So create a practical plan and ask for that clarity, ask for that conflict. Another thing is set a timeline. When you learn how to get done, I have timelines right now, it's 39 days till Easter, Anyone else believe that? I feel like 2019 is yesterday. I feel like Christmas was yesterday. And we're at Easter already? That's incredible, by the way, because time can just appear like that. Anything can happen. <laughs> but 29, uh, 39 days till Easter. So everybody's working and, and developing their systems and making sure that we're the invite culture that our church says we are. We're inviting our neighbors and our friends. And what are we doing as a worship team to get there? What are we doing as a creative team to get there? How do we communicate our creative ideas to our tech team, our production team, our creative department? One way I've learned very quickly is if you don't communicate to your production team and you say, hey, what's this new song? Great, who's leading it? I don't know. Oh boy, what's the first song you're gonna use? Oh, what's that song I should use? Oh, faculty. When you're having to guess on who's leading what song, oh man. Or who's coming out for the transition, or when they're coming out for the transition? Oy, that's tough. So create a practical plan, set a timeline, a due date, a runway. I would say I have a long runway or a short runway. Short runway is two weeks. I don't have a lot of time in two weeks. I gotta get stuff done. Long runway is three months. So I started my long runway for Easter back in January and started prepping teams and picking out songs and thinking, all right, well, if we're gonna do this, then I need this to happen. If this is going to happen, then I have to tell my tech director so that he's aware. Then I have to take this idea and go to the creative team. Oh, man, communication can be hard. Talking is hard. Anyone else? Talking, adulting is hard. I've learned that as well. When you get overwhelmed, when things start to spiral, and you don't know how to communicate, slow down. It's okay. Call the tech director. Call your creative person, whoever you need to. Hey man, I have some really good ideas for Easter. Can can we have some coffee? And I just wanna I just wanna let's talk. Let's have that conversation. And that's really important because now your tech director feels empowered. And I, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there's often times where it's the worship or tech team. Where sometimes the worship team and the tech team will be two separate teams. I don't really think it's one worship experience. It's not either or, it's and. Some, I thought of this earlier this week, but how we sing, how we play, how we worship is all of it. But have you ever tried singing with someone who's tone deaf? Good Lord. Not that anyone in this room is tone deaf, but you know that person at your church. You're like, I can't stand up to them for anything. They're, they're just, I mean, if they're in my, if they're singing your team, I'll just have my turn down. I'm like, 
<laughs> that tech person, that audio engineer, their mix is their worship. It's their offering, their best before the Lord. God, I'm not talented in singing or playing, but I can mix this team really, really well. And it's going to bring glory to you because people in the room won't notice. And not that people in the room, in the room noticing matters, but I'm not creating distraction. I'm not allowing people to become distracted by the bad mix. The drummer's too loud. I gotta bring them down. I don't want them to overpower the team because then people are gonna notice that. And we're creating distraction. The enemy loves distraction. He loves chaos. Like we wanna do everything we can as a worship team and a tech team to prevent that chaos. Because if we don't, teams are gonna break. Like what we do is more than just the mix, more than just production. It's helping to introduce people to Jesus. It's singing and declaring his goodness. What a beautiful name is one of my favorite songs. It's also one of the most overplayed songs. But it's so powerful. I don't want to mess that song up. I don't want my, my guitar part to overpower the team, or I didn't want... Do you understand? It's not either or. So due dates, setting the runway, and the last and final point that I have is be patient. Things don't happen overnight. The culture that you want to establish or desire to establish, God, I want to be, you know, training for 10,000 people. That's awesome. But can you start with 10? Can you, can you be patient and be diligent in the season that God's placed you in? Can you work and work and work and, and just be faithful in the little things? Biblical. My, my life policy uh, for many years was, God, whatever you want, I'll go wherever you want, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then he's put me in situations, and I'm like, God, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. I gotta get out of it. But he taught me something in each one of those seasons. He refined me and shifted my thinking to where I thought, where things should look this way, there's a different way. He sees things differently. God's creative. More creative than all of us put in this room together. So I want to lean into him. I want to trust him, and I want to be patient with whatever he plays in front of me, with the team member that's on my team. Like, I want to be patient with them because they're growing. They're developing their, their skills or their heart. And it takes patience. Amen? That's something I'm not good at. Not a patient person. Um, I've taken Enneagrams and uh, cultural indexes and personality assessments. And uh, my first thing is I'm a type eight, so I'm a challenger. So that right there does not equal patience. So I have to pray through that. <laughs> uh, but God, God is good. I'm working on it. So I want to open the floor to a couple questions. I know it's kind of thrown a lot at you. We've gone down some different trails. And, uh, anyone have any questions, thoughts, comments? Yes, sir. Yes, we do. So Journey Church, for example, speaking in the context of where I'm at, and we have five different campuses across Greater Cleveland. Uh, and each, each one of those campuses, we have a worship director. And then under that worship director, they oversee the entire worship department for that campus. So out of that, they steward um, the worship leaders. So our goal is to have three different worship leaders, three to five different worship leaders, so that we can have a, a, a rotation of teams. So out of that, we have them in guitar, electric, bass. Uh, we do have team leads. So like I have an electric guitar team lead. They focus in on that. Our music directors, and they oversee the whole musical side of things. Uh, and then vocal directors, where they work a vocal part to make sure that we're breaking those down and singing the right harmonies. And Sister Sally is singing off key all the time. And we'll do our job. Great question, though. Does that help? Yes, ma'am. So having all those things in place, how long would it take to develop a healthy culture? 
Yeah, no, I get it. If people are coming to church twice a month to serve, then it would take them a whole year to figure it out. If they're going to it. And like I said, there's people who run with you, people who walk with you. And so some people get longer get get it. It'll take longer to get it. There are other people who run faster. So I would say about a year. Um, sometimes you can do things to speed that up, like worship team nights, vision nights. Hey guys, the worship team, this is what I'm really sensing that the next season we're going to go into. What are your thoughts? All right, let's pray about it. Let's, let's do something. So like that's what I said, create that pastoral plan with that timeline. So something like a team night or a vision night really helps with that as well. Does that help? Anyone else? Yes, sir. Matt? Yeah, so quarterly, uh, Journey Church has uh, a worship night called Code Red, the Code Red Experience, and it's uh, it's where we say, hey, come and grow deeper in your walk with God, and it's worship for 30 minutes or 35 minutes, and then it's a powerful message, usually bring a guest speaker to share or something like that, and then we have another 10, 15 minutes of worship at the back end. Um, most times, we'll have baptisms, so it's kind of this all-encompassing night where it's heavy on worship, heavy on message, but more than anything, heavy on life change. So that's something we do on quarterly. Uh, like I said, we have rehearsals Thursday nights and Sundays. Uh, and then we plan, I would say also quarterly, we plan just get-togethers because you want that, that camaraderie. If you're serving with someone and you don't know how their family's doing, you may want to check in. How, how's your family? It's one of the things... Um, when I sit down with a volunteer, a servant leader, I'll, I'll often say, hey, how you doing, man? You say, great. Hey, buddy. The volunteer will tell me, hey, we did this, this, and this. We practiced some songs. Um, we did everything. And they'll give me the logistics. But as a leader, I'll say, great. Hey, that's awesome. Uh, how the hell are you doing? And so when, uh, when I hear logistics from a volunteer or servant leader, I'll say, hey, how's it going? Because it's a, that's part of the shepherding process. So that's what I do on a regular basis. Any other questions? This is all good. This is all really good. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so it's all about the buyers. Uh, and I say that like I'm a car salesman, but I'm not. <laughs> it's sharing the vision of what God is taking your team in, and sharing the vision of where God's sending you as a team, uh, and having them realize that it's not all contingent on them, but you want them at the table. And if God is pulling them out of that season, you want them at the table, because they'll only help. So, um, does take time. It's not easy. Uh, I actually have to deal with this in another department. Part of my responsibilities of being on the team at Journey is that I help with the kids, uh, first impressions, VIP, pretty much anywhere that they need uh, support. And so one of the things I have to do with the kids is I have to redefine what the leadership pipeline looks for the kids department. And that's not easy when they have, you know, Sister Sally and Sister Karen have been leading the kids ministry for five years and now we have to throw up whole new wrench in things, and they're like, well, why are we doing it differently? And it's because it's not working, and we need to bring change. So having that conversation is tough. That's something I'm actually working through right now. Um, but trying to, to change things when people are familiar with them is different. It's not easy. But we can do it. Yeah, that's a hard thing to do. I don't know. I have a question. If anyone else has a question, I want to throw this question out there. What do you do with conflict? <laughs> you hide it. No. <laughs> what do you do with conflict when someone doesn't agree with you? Good Lord. I don't know. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you, you have a conversation with them. You say, hey, man, listen, I, I see what you're talking about. I understand where you're at. But as a church, as a culture, I want you to be healthy and whole. 
And so here's, here's where we're at. Um, here's where I, um, here's what the Bible says. I'm going to read all the way back to the Word. Uh, you know, I'm reading John 4, 24. If I'm wrong, correct me. So John 4, 24, God is spirit, and therefore we must worship him in spirit and in truth. The truth is the Word. And so we always go back to the Word. Um, yeah, just having that conversation. It's tough. It's awkward because you're at opposition, and no one likes opposition. It's, it's not easy. It's tough. It's gritty. Get a lot of leaders away. Don't shrink back. Don't allow that opposition to, to belittle you as a leader. God put you in that place. Your pastor believes in you. He supports you. He put you in that, he or she put you in that place for a reason. And opposition and, and correction comes with the territory. And that's not easy. But there's always grace, truth, and love in all of that. And we'll work through it. Any other questions? Thoughts? Big proponent for that. 
But this lady, you know, uh, was always on key um, and just wanted to be up there because it was a pastor. What she didn't tell me is that the church she was at was her husband was the pastor and the church had 12 people. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, let's check your heart. Because as part of Shepherd, we're here to take care of people, right? We're here to, to gauge the spiritual health of people. And like we said at the beginning, people are messy, they're gross. Sometimes you don't even want to touch them. Because, you know, but that's what we're called. That's our mandate. As leaders, as worship leaders. The worship is the obedient response to God, and we're responsible for a whole bunch of people's obedient responses. And that can be a little messy. One last final question, then we'll pray. And we have our last session. Any other balance? Yes, ma'am. I don't know because I spent five years leading student worship, and it doesn't help when you're an adult trying to lead worship to kids, because kids are just awkward, I think. I mean, I was awkward when I was a teenager. Anyone remember? Any teenagers in the room? You're a teenager? How old are you? 19? All right, so you passed that gap. You're, you're done with student ministry. Any youth pastors? Worship leaders with bivocational, you help with students as well? Yeah. So students can be really awkward, uh, and I think that oftentimes they don't really understand why and at the same time they're also figuring out their relationship with God for themselves because it's oftentimes in those 13 to 14 it's actually I can probably get this wrong please forgive me don't hold me to this but I believe statistics say that by 13 they've already made their decision on their beliefs they've already established what they think about religion or what they think about God and that's not to say that they can't learn and grow from that but if that's the age, or around that age is, is where they're already making their decisions, then we have to kind of re help them rediscover what that means. And so I think passing the why, say, hey guys, we worship because we love Jesus. We're here to celebrate what he's done for us, and here's what he's done for us. So uh, one thing I would probably suggest is uh, testimonial time. Hey, why is that important to you? So establishing that culture and asking those hard questions to start that conversation because students are hard. It doesn't matter um, what song you play, you look. I tried every song in the book. <laughs> I mean, Reckless Love, you think it would be a huge hit? No! That does not work. Oh, man. Great question, though. That's awesome. Thank you. All right, I know I said one more question, but I still have 10 minutes, so I want to have anyone else. So one of my worship directors, actually two of them at all five campuses, uh, two of the three of them are female. And there are some men that have, they're, they're not sexist, they're not anything like that, but they just have a hard time following female leadership. And I think that's because they're older, that's something they have to work through, that is a hard issue, so you have to address that. So it's, it's a challenge. when dealing with that conflict and trying to address it. Am I answering your question? Yeah. So I think that's where it comes up. 
Yep, yep. That was a tough one. Um, yeah, that's that's not easy, especially when the person is older than you and has been around and, and sees things more, uh, and when you're kind of thrown into the fire. And I think that's one thing you just have to walk through a conversation. Say, hey, Sister Mary, I know you have a great heart to be on the team. What's what's wrong with you? <laughs> I think asking that question is okay because you need to get to the, the root of the issue and I don't ever like to deal with um, I don't like to deal with the symptoms of the problem. I like to go to the source. If someone has an issue with me, like my, uh, my campus pastor is a prime example. I worked with him for the last five years and uh, he will say, hey, we need to meet. I'm like, okay, why? What are you telling me? What, what are you wrong? Like, and I'll go through the list and say, I just need to talk to you about whatever it is, stage layout, or something completely unrelevant to me being in trouble because that's how I think. So I think addressing the root of the issue with her, uh, it's going to take time. You just have to have those conversations. Um, there's also a really good book if you ever like to address issues head on. And you're in a season of life where you're like, man, I, I'm tired of all the symptoms around me. I don't want to keep putting band-aids on things that, that need to be cut off. Uh, there's a really good book out there, The Pillow Spider. Um, check it out online. I forget who wrote it, but I'm currently reading it right now. And it's just mind-blowing how it cuts straight to the core and how if we keep addressing the symptoms and we never go to the source, then true healing can't come out of that. Things are gonna grow crooked. So just check that out if you want, no pressure. It's not really worship-related, but it is it's part of being whole. Okay, great guys. You survived your last session. Give yourselves a round of applause because you did it. It's almost time to go home, and I know we're all leaving worship in the morning, so I'll be praying for you. I know it's been a long day, but let's pray, and let's break out. Father God, I just thank you for each person in the room today, Father. I thank you for their heart of worship, Lord, that they are here to chase after you and to bring their talent before you, God. I pray for each worship team, each church, uh, God, that they serve at, Father, that you send the right people in the right season at the right time, God, that nothing uh, will cause them to be divided. Father, I just pray against division and chaos, God, that you surround these leaders, these world changers, to be set on fire for you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for your wisdom and how you lead them. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you that you have a big plan for them. We celebrate you, God. We thank you who you are, because you are so good, and we love you. And everyone said,